whole nother level. All right. That was Badman Laita, Shayon Kuti, and Black Thought off the African Dreams EP. Before that, we had Dillinger, Daylight Savings Time. So, you know, I can't let a Daylight Savings Time come or go without playing Dillinger's classic Daylight Savings Time. That's my jam. So that's how we got it going. Uh, good this morning. I'm happy you're with me. Sorry I didn't see you last Monday. I was a little under the weather. So, but I'm here now, you know. Blessings, plum blessings. Very happy to be here. This is Q4 Radio. This is the Bro Diallo Show. You can find Q4 at Q-U-E, the number four, dot O-R-G. You can also catch us streaming live at Diallo Kenyatta across the socials, uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, and uh, Twits live. Where we we get in where we fit in. I might even go over on Twitch. Who knows? I just get in where I fit in. But this is the Bro Diallo Show, broadcasting straight out of the sanctuary hypocrisy that is the city of Chirac, Staler Drill, Illinois, and the United States of America. Cuh, cuh, on the over-ravaged, soon-to-be-depleted of life and ecosystems, planet Earth, and the misnamed Milky Way galaxy. Now that all that's out of the way, how is everyone this morning? I didn't hear anybody respond. <laughs> Are we Africans or not? How's everybody doing? Okay, y'all don't want to do the call and response. I'm going to assume y'all doing well. You know, because that's what I am. That's, that's how I do. I'm a positive dude. All right, now I'm getting some love. Finally. Gosh, I thought I was just here alone. It's starting to feel lonely. Anyway. There's a lot to get to. I hate skipping weeks. Like, I, this show needs to go back. But anyway. You can find me on Bro Diallo Show and then the Rational Radical broadcast on Black Power Media. And then, of course, on Fridays, Earn Your Liberation. So you can catch Bro Diallo broadcasting Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays across various platforms off and on from time to time again and again. Now, a lot to talk about. Since I was last here. There has been a regime change in the city of Chirac, state of Drillinois in the United States of America. The mayor, Lori Lightfoot, has been voted out. You know, and I like to pat myself on the back as being part of the uh, effort to unseat uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot from from uh, City Hall. But it's, it's a little weirdness going on. I think black people, I was on socials. And I saw all these black folks justifiably celebrating the departure of Mayor Lori Lightfoot. You know, I saw justifiably celebrating the departure of Lori Lightfoot. I saw all kind of memes. One of the memes that stood out the most to me, y'all remember the, the what's the, what's the, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, where they threw DJ Jazzy Jeff, got threw out the, the front door by Uncle Phil, and, uh, and they took that image of uh, Jazzy Jeff flying out of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air mansion and they superimposed or photoshopped Lori Lightfoot's face and throwing Lori Lightfoot out the door. And black people was literally celebrating Ding Dong, the witch is dead. And like I said, that's a justifiable celebration. I celebrate with y'all, but I can't really. I ain't even gonna lie. I hate being... The Grinch of Pan-Africanism. I hate being a hater, innovator. 
the hater motivator. Nobody's greater in this arena of hateration than me because I am a hater. So I didn't really go online and talk no junk. I didn't really get greasy with it. I didn't even say nothing about it, even though I was an opponent for of Lori Lightfoot. The moment she emerged, the prosecutor establishment, you know, it is my theory that she was handpicked by the Democratic machine, the Democratic establishment. You know, Chicago is basically a one party uh, like like China. It's a one party state. <laughs> So Democrats, whatever you're going to get, it's a Democratic one-party state. And I'm not complaining about that because I show as hell. Before I lived here, I lived in a red state. You know, so if you want to if you want to live on the upper decks of the Titanic, <laughs> you know, I went from the bowels of the Titanic to I'm on an upper deck. I can get a little glimpse of the sun in a blue state. Whereas if you're in a red state, you're in the bowels. But. All that being said, the struggle continues. I ain't here to relax on as far as politics or anything else. But Lori Lightfoot, um, Lori Lightfoot was getting all memed, was getting dissed, couldn't celebrate. I couldn't get down with y'all for, for a myriad of reasons. One of the reasons I couldn't celebrate with y'all who, who were talking about, yeah, ding dong, the witch is dead. Yeah, Lori's out. Number one. I couldn't celebrate with y'all because most of y'all out here didn't contribute to her downfall. 70% in some precincts higher, 70% of eligible voters didn't vote. And I mean, for all the people sharing the memes, for all the people who hate Lori Lightfoot, and I used to call her Lori Lightfoot on our necks because her foot was on our necks. Police state. She was pro-police. Somebody said early start. What? Don't play with me on this time. You know it's daylight savings time, James. I'm mad confused. And I didn't send them the link. Lord, I'm not on my job. I'm not on my job. But anyway, uh, most of y'all don't vote. I swear for God, y'all let some some... The people who show up to vote in every election are the old people who ain't even going to be around. No disrespect to the elders, but the people who are not even going to be around to really live through the repercussions of whatever policies they enact. Racist, the, the racist and the right wing and the, the, the reactionaries are very motivated in elections. They show up in droves. The cops, believe it or not, there are two neighborhoods in this city. I ain't going to get into it because I don't want to talk local politics. His brother Diallo is worldwide, like BDP, worldwide, worldwide. One, two, three. The show is called Bro Diallo. If you want to take it to the tip top, I ain't going to get into that, but I'm worldwide. But let me just do some, some south side. House cleaving, and then we'll go back to the worldwide. But most of y'all didn't vote. And it's weird to me if you sat on your ass during the, 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 the uh, election, local election, and you didn't go out and vote for your local alderman who was going to be your city council representative. If you didn't go out and vote for who you wanted to be mayor next. If you didn't go out and vote for the police oversight. That's all that was on the ballot, in and out. 
And I swear, every time I go to the polls, every time I stroll through the polls, ain't no line, no nothing. I be hearing about lines waiting now. I live in the hood of hoods. 97% black. And I walk in there, and again, like I said, the people I see most engaged in the political process are people who are so old, they are not going to live through or live out any of the repercussions of the policies. They making decisions for you, not for themselves, young people. Now, I ain't going to name no names, but I know some 20-year-olds, some 18 to 35-year-olds out here sharing memes, out here sharing uh, funny videos, out here talking mad greasy about Lori Lightfoot. You didn't have nothing to do with it. But y'all want me to believe y'all can't get up and go to the polls. You can't take time to, to, to engage in local electoral politics. But you're telling me you're ready for some revolutionary politics, worldwide, global, pan-African politics, when you can't even take time to figure out who's going to sweep your streets. I just don't see people grab. Maybe some of y'all are like that. Some of y'all can make that leap. I can't. I need to rev up. I need a running start. I can't just go instant politics, instant revolution. But that's me. Maybe y'all more better than me. But here's another reason why I can't celebrate. That's one reason I can't. I look at the the the, the turnout maps in the north side white cop neighborhoods, and they carved out this little section of South Chicago because the police don't like to live amongst the people they 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 harass. Makes sense. Police, as evil as the cops are, they're rational and, and logical. So you can't get up in the morning and come kick the shit out of a community and then want to live in that community. So the cops, they have like literally, they talking about protesting. Shout out to the people protesting cop cities, the forest protectors in Atlanta. But we got cop communities here. We, it's just so normalized, we don't even recognize it. They got districts where the cops, they carve out these little areas and they set up their own little local governance, their own little local communities, just on the outskirts of the city, surrounding the city. And you look at the cop districts where, where they have heavy concentration of police people, they all have high voter, voter turnouts. You look at the white affluent area, high voter turnout. You look at the hood, people most affected, ill affected by public policy and most dependent on public policy, most vulnerable to public policy, don't have no interest in influencing public policy. Anyway, let me tell you the real reason. That's the secondary reason, because low voter turnout is just a reality. If you've ever worked on elections, if you've ever worked on, I've worked on voter registration campaigns, I've worked on local election, city council, uh, school board, and even mayoral elections. Hell, I was even uh, uh, tasked and got the job to work on one of these local police oversight uh, board uh, elections. But dude called me and was like, hey, I want you on my campaign. And I'm like, I'm on it because I know this dude's a radical. We can get him in any position in politics. I'm like, I'm on it. Then he called me two days later and was like, uh, my opponent dropped out the race. So I don't need you. Bye. Bye, nigga. Click. I'm like, damn. And it wasn't like that, but that's how it felt. That's not how it happened, but that's how it felt like it happened. 
And I like to believe nobody's told me this and I don't have the facts to back this up. But I like to believe that somebody word got to his opponent that he had called Bro Diallo to work on his campaign. So his opponent was like, I'm going to go ahead and jump off this ballot. I don't stand a chance. That's, you know, we, we tell ourselves, if y'all can tell yourself that God knows every hair on your head and God lo so loved the world and so loved you, he gave, if you can tell yourself lies to make yourself feel better, let me tell myself whatever I got to say, my own fantasies to make myself feel better. But anyway, where was I? The second reason why I couldn't celebrate Lori Lightfoot on our necks, because Lori Lightfoot hasn't lost. It seems that we, uh, <laughs> I hate to quote Bobby Wright, but he was right. I mean, he shouldn't spell his name W-R-I-G-H-T. He should say Bobby E-R-I-G-H-T, because Bobby's right. He said black people been in this country the longest and understand it the least. Let me say it one more time. Black people been in this country the longest and understand this country the least. Because how the hell... It's black people out here doing the Holy Ghost dance. And I was going to play the Holy Ghost music. I was going to get happy up in here. I was going to call down the spirits when Lori Lightfoot didn't even make it to the runoff. Only got 16% of 30%. Only got a fraction of the vote. But here's the thing, which I've been telling black people for long as I can remember. It's not about people. Politics is not about the person. Politics is not about the personality. Politics is about the policies and platforms. It doesn't matter who. Politicians are placeholders. It doesn't matter what politician is sitting in the seat. What matters is the policies and platforms that will be advanced. So Lori Lightfoot has lost. But the reason people hated Lori Lightfoot was not Lori Lightfoot lied. Woo, that woman lied. Don't stand close to Lori Lightfoot because lightning going to strike her ass. Let me just go off on this tangent and I'm going to bring it right back and then wrap this Lori Lightfoot business up. But Lori Lightfoot said, they were like, why did you lose, Lori? You think she, she told a lot? Man, she told the biggest. She said, Lori Lightfoot said she lost the Chicago mayoral election. Because people have an issue with a black woman in power. Now, what the worst thing, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The great ancestors, Kwame Ture, said that a half-truth is more dangerous than a full lie. Remember that. A half-truth is more dangerous than a full lie. Because people do have a problem with black women. People do have a problem with lesbians, people do have a problem. She's, like I said, she's intersection of every oppression. She's black, woman, lesbian. I mean, only thing she could, I mean, just, I mean, God just really was like, let me just see how downtrodden I can make this sister. She's of short stature. I mean, I don't, at least she's not disabled. I don't even know any more burdens for her to carry, right? And that gave a lot of black people the illusion like, hey, this sister knows struggle. She's a black woman and she went to law school. She's been up in the hallowed halls of academia. She's been in government. She's been in the courts. She knows how bad things are. She didn't give a shit. Stop this stuff. Stop this vicariousism. Stop projecting onto people. 
Lori Lightfoot is pro-establishment, pro-capitalism, pro-system, but I digress. She said people have a problem. Reason she lost is because people have a problem with black women in power. That's a half truth because that's not why she lost. And what Lori Lightfoot expected y'all to forget in just four short years was that who was her opponent? Another black woman. In the last mayoral election, the two top candidates were both black women. The two top candidates, y'all forget that. It was two black women running for mayorship. Now, I mean, Chicago got a lot of issues. Chicago got a lot of problems. But you can't come out of an election cycle where the top two candidates were black women going head to head that beat out a whole field. I had a, you know, I was, I supported Ford in the last mayoral, you know, state representative Ford. And it wasn't just because I was on his campaign. He, did, I didn't, he didn't buy my vote like Willie Wilson be giving y'all a full tank of gas and that old sharecropper fascist. How you a sharecropper and a fascist? Willie Wilson? I never in my life thought I could see a sharecropper, multimillionaire, fascist black man. I don't, don't let me not talk about Willie. Y'all and Willie, man. Y'all some Chicago is some weirdos. I'll never be a full Chicago dude. I've been here over a decade. I don't think I'll ever fully integrate into Chicago culture. Because y'all got some weird shit afoot of here. But I digress into my previous digression. I'm stacking digressions. As I was saying, that's a, a goddamn lie. So the half truth is people do have problems with black people in power. People, there's a large segment of society that has a problem with women in power. That's the half truth. The full on lie is that ain't why she lost the election. And she really insults our intelligence. And I don't like these black elites who pick up blackness and put it down. And we gotta stop letting black elites pick up blackness and put it down. And I ain't one to tell gay folks what to do. I ain't one, but I see the gay community the same thing. Uh, uh, they try to the elite gays, pick up gayness and put it down. You know, when they get into positions of power, they represent the status quo, oppressive, static, capitalist status quo. But as soon as they get into some trouble, oh, uh, they want to fall back on blackness. Lori Lightfoot governed like a cracker. As soon as she get kicked out of office, she want to, you know, put up the fist. Nuh-uh, ooh, uh-uh, no. So the full lie is she didn't lose because she was a black woman. But for her to evoke the ongoing struggles of black women, when she was in office, she didn't do shit for black women. There's at least two active serial killers on the south side of Chicago that target black women and she put more police resources into going investigating Jesse Smollett's assault than she did in saving black folks lives or investigating the murder of black people. Please stop Lori. I mean, go out with some dignity, go out with some grace. You didn't govern with dignity. You didn't govern with grace, at least lose with some dignity and grace. How dare you? How dare you? But anyway, now let me come back to the second problem I have. That, that 70, 
in some districts, over 80% of the black people out here celebrating Lori's departure couldn't be bothered to go out and make it happen. Y'all ever see Star Wars and at the end of Star Wars, they celebrating. The end of Star Wars, the first three prequels or whatever, I don't know how it works. But my wife always gets mad at this scene. And they're putting medals. They're giving a medal to Luke Skywalker. They're giving a medal to Princess Leia. And they give a medal to uh, Han Solo. The goddamn Wookiee didn't. It's a sentient being. It's a bipedal sentient organism. Why the hell didn't the Wookiee get a medal? Racist mother. But the Wookiee didn't get a medal. But you see, when it came time to fight the Empire, it's like three, four people are deserving of a medal. But then when they pan the camera out, it's billions of people celebrating. Yay! And they didn't do shit. They didn't do shit. Luke Skywalker wouldn't have got his goddamn hand cut off if all them people would have came together. They wait until the fight is won and then want to come. Don't come to the goddamn parade celebrating the victory that you didn't contribute to. Every victory parade should have like a half dozen people in it. The rest of y'all stay the hell home. And I don't care if it's a local election or a global revolution. That's real shitty. But anyway, what did I tell y'all? It ain't about the person or the personality. It's about the platform. People celebrated the ouster of the previous Zionist, fascist, racist, scumbag mayor. Rahm Emanuel, scum of the earth. And people are like, yeah, we got rid of Rahm Emanuel. But Rahm Emanuel's neoliberal, pro-police, anti-black policies continued unobstructed Lori Lightfoot. Same, exact same identical policy platform. So you got rid of the person, but you kept the policy. You got rid of the personality, but you kept the platform. And where are we right now? There is a fascist, pro-cop, corporatist candidate who got the majority of the goddamn vote. Paul Vallis, privatizer. The, the police benevolence association, the police unions, the, 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 the local, all the white racist right wing uh, power centers in this city support Paul Vallis. So if Paul Vallis gets elected, all them go on your socials and delete all them Lori Lightfoot memes because you got rid of the person. You got rid of the personality, but the policy is going to be intensified. So what the blood clot are y'all celebrating for real? What are y'all celebrating? I like making memes myself. I didn't share no Lori Lightfoot memes. I didn't do no celebrating. Because the motherfucker that's in line to replace her is 10 times more worse. Who cares who the person is? So Lori Lightfoot hasn't lost yet. Because Lori Lightfoot has an ideology. She has an agenda. She has an outlook. She has a status. She has drawn a line in the sand. And while Lori Lightfoot takes her payoff, her corporate payoff, 
When Lori Lightfoot goes on to a lucrative career of, of, of speaking internationally, she gets put on all these corporate boards. When she gets paid off for all the favors she did while in office for maintaining the status quo, she'll be able to look at Chicago and look down on Chicago and be like, everything I want is still going. Everything I implemented is being advanced. Everything I stand for still is erected and getting stronger. What the, what are y'all celebrating? What are we celebrating? Lori hasn't lost. Neoliberalism hasn't lost. The police department budget is to expand. All the resources go to the corporation. Corporations aren't being properly taxed. The white communities, the white areas are safe, livable, walkable, flourishing, while the black communities are still under Depression-era levels of unemployment, war zone-level crimes and violence, blight. They're still lead, some of the highest concentration of lead levels in the, in the bl of, 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 of black children in the US I mean name a problem so Lori Lightfoot has not lost yet because Lori Lightfoot represents an agenda she represents a political platform and she represents very specific policies that will all be directly aggressively advanced if Paul Vallis gets into office And I don't see enough energy, enough movement to defeat Paul Vallis in the community. We think the fight is won. Bobby E, absolutely right. That's what I'm going to start calling him. Bob, Dr. Bobby E, absolutely right. Man been dead for decades. He's a secular prophet. Bobby E, absolutely right, said, we've been in this country longer than anybody and we understand it the least. There is nothing to celebrate. We're in more jeopardy now than we were before the election. And they don't even hide it. There's about to be a mayor elected, handpicked by multinational corporations and handpicked by the police department, the police union, the policeman's benevolent association. And the man, Powell Vallis, says, I'm going to unleash the cops. But there was a black man who said that he wants to free up the cops. The problem with, the, with crime is there's not enough violence leveled against the black community. The police are handicapping their ability to maim and murder black people. We have to unleash the police on the black community to stop crime. There were candidates in, in the mayoral debates that were openly saying this. And, they, and I look at their percentages. Black people were still, Billy Wilson would go to a gas station on the south side in a poor black community and pay for all the gas for an hour. And I said, stop celebrating rich people giving us back a fraction of what they took from us. Willie Wilson's 100 years old. He don't work for his money. You work for his money. So, Willie Wilson will show up at a poor Southside gas station and pay for all the gas for cars. Like 20, 30, 40, 50 cars come through and get a full tank on Willie Wilson. And black people go to the 
polls and vote for this black man who supports, fully supports the MAGA movement, who fully supports the police, who, who his only, Willie Wilson, his only issues with the police is that they're too gentle with black youth. They're not locking up and shooting enough people. And you'll sell out your own community. You'll sell out your own family, the own young black men and women in your family for a full tank of gas. We're not free. We cheat. Anyway, let me get off Chicago politics. Too depressing. What do y'all want to talk about? Ecosystem collapse. Famines. Let's talk about something else. Let me get off local politics. (laughs) Moving on. You know. There's been a major Silicon Valley bank has collapsed, right? There's this big bank in that has all the con- for the startups. The tech economy is crashing. First, it was NFTs and cryptocurrency collapsing, and then all of these investigations into to to these big social media. Com- Remember the tech future. So anyway. This Silicon Valley bank has collapsed. And now they're getting bailed out. Welfare, get the welfare. You get the welfare. And so now, you know, when, it, when you go to the bank, when you go to your bank, wherever you bank, you see these little placards everywhere. They're in the window of the bank. They're on the counter of the bank. They're everywhere. And it's FDIC. Uh... Bank. This bank is covered by FDIC and the FDIC was established after the Great Depression to ensure deposits to stop runs on bank. Right. And that was for working class people. That was for working class people. So when you uh, when you put your money in the bank. From digging trenches. Or hanging drywall. Emptying bedpans, waiting tables, doing salt of the earth. When you deposit your money in the bank from your crop yields, the FDIC insurance was there to protect working people who put their bank money in the bank. Right? This is how. Let me stop cursing. Kwabana might protest. Kwabana clear the airways project. He he gets out here and fights to get murder music off the airways. He protested. I don't want him to show up at little old raggedy Q4 radio. And I don't want to get protested by clearly. So I'm about to clear the airways. I'm going to play a gospel song and hum along because I don't want no smoke from the clear the airways. So anyway, support Kwapana in that effort to stop anti-African propaganda from saturating the airways. But I digress. So anyway, FDIC was there to protect the working people to stop from running on the bank. So they say, if you put your money in the bank, it's going to be there. And if the privately owned corporation, the bank, the for-profit corporations, if they ain't got your money, we got you. Uncle Sam got you. Right? And the limits of that was $250,000. Meaning that if you put in your money in the bank, up to the cap, $250,000. So if you have $350,000 in the bank, in your checkings and savings, and it, the bank collapses, you lose $100,000. But you got two hundred and fifty. dollars remember that song from Jungle Brothers, because I got it like that. 
But that's cool. It's all gravy because that's money from the public. It's welfare. It's the federal government giving you a leg up instead of your bootstraps. Instead of pulling yourself up by the bootstrap, the government comes and picks you up and lifts you up. Uncle Sam, the welfare, right? $250,000 cap, which the vast majority of Americans, upwards of 80% or more of the Americans, what do they say, don't have enough more than $300 in the bank? So if your bank fails, that covers the vast majority of Americans. So Silicon Valley banks failed, and this Silicon Valley bank is where all the tech startups keep their money. And they kept, they would take money the way banks do. People used to murder bankers, <laughs> money lenders, money changers. The, the, the Silicon Valley Bank would take money, deposits from startups and all these people who invested in startups, and then reinvest in those same startups. Ponzi, take money from a person and then put that money in another risk. You take money from a risky venture and then you put money in that high-risk venture for high returns. So Silicon Valley was taking money from startups and lending and investing in startups. It's the same cycle of money. And then when those startups start to fail, here's the thing when, when a company, when a bank has, uh, when a bank has um, lends you money, they can take your assets. So it used to be, if I'm a farmer, and I go get a bank loan and my crop fails. They come get my tractor. They come get my cattle. They come get my land. Hectares and hectares of land. They come take my house. Let's say I want to start a shipping company. And I got some trucks. I got some flatbed trucks. I got some hauling trucks and all this. And I got this, this big lot of land where I store my trucks. I got my office building. I got all this stuff. Assets. They come take your shit. Right? So you think a month, I own a restaurant. I own a restaurant. I used to own a restaurant. And most of the equipment, I mean, restaurant equipment, coolers, that shit is expensive as hell. And a lot of the equipment that we bought was used equipment. That was, that was from other failed restaurants who failed or defaulted on their loans. And then the bank seizes their assets and sells them off. When your car gets repoed, the same thing. You don't pay your car, not they repo. But here's the problem with tech. When when the banks loans money to a tech, all they have is code, stuff like keyboards. <laughs> they got code. There are no tractors. There are no, no crops. There are no acres of land. There's no fleet of cars. There's no equipment drills. And, and, and the, the tech industry... It's just intellectual IP, intellectual property. And you sit at a keyboard one day in a big tech company and they just push the power button. That's how they shut down tech companies. They just push off on all the monitors. That's it. We're shut down. And there's really no assets to, to reclaim, to resell. It's just a bunch of code in the head of geeks. The tech economy, which is a mythological thing. This is no such thing as the modern tech economy. The economy is dirty and polluting and grimy. The economy exists in mines. It's these boats, the, 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 these boats out here harvesting the ocean. It's still grimy, medieval, old, digging trenches. 
pouring asphalt. That's the real economy. But the billionaires are these guys who sit behind and typing away at monitors. They're the billionaires, and we believe they're making our world run. Yeah, this is Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk. They're making the world. They're taking us to the future when we're still burning coal for energy. For the last 1,500 years, the same goddamn technology. The same goddamn old world exploiting slave labor across poor countries. Ain't nothing modern. You just build up these cities and these suburban communities. This is still a medieval serfdom, lords of the land. But we believe because we got supercomputers in our back pocket, sometime we're living in the future when the economy, the basic principles of the economy, the hierarchy, the elite class and the worker class, this shit on some old medieval shit. Prisons and dungeons and torture chambers. But hey, I got a smartphone, so hey, <laughs> you know, I'm part of the tech economy. You door dashing and Ubering, thinking you're part of the future. You ain't Judy Jetson. You ain't George Jetson. You, you, you are a surf. You Johnny Appleseed. It ain't the future. Same old shit. Right? So anyway, the Silicon Valley Bank fails because they got all these, te they are overexerted. They, they, they loaned out more money than they took in and they don't have no money to pay. And so you got these tech companies, these people who went to study tech because remember STEM, we got to all ran out to STEM, all our kids study and we go follow and figure out what the white man want and then train up our children to give the white man what he wants. And what did most deaf Yasin Bey say? We start keeping pace, they change up the tempo. We better off figuring out what we want in the world we want and make that world as opposed to figuring out how to make it in the white man's world. But I digress. That's, that. Anyway, they did all these companies, Silicon Valley, high tech companies collapsing because they can't monetize their shit. The internet is socialism. Don't nobody want to pay for shit on the internet. All these capitalists want free shit on the internet. And so they selling our data. They selling, but there's only so much data. There's only so many times these, these companies going to buy your email address over and over and over. And so these tech companies start up the text and they try to follow the old formula, collecting info on there. But they were like, listen, TikTok, Facebook, there's only three or four websites that already got my information. So what more information is this little gaming or this other little startup going to take that and sell to the companies where they already have it, right? So they, these tech companies are failing. They're not making good on their bank loans. And, and, and uh, so, and then these other tech companies that are starting up, they're like, we can't reach payroll. They call in Silicon Valley Bank like, hello, hello? I'm sorry, the number you have <laughs> reached is inoperative. And so what happens when capitalism fails? You got a privately owned bank operating with tech startups and entrepreneurs and the modern tech economy. So when, when the money runs out, what happens? The market correction, free market. The bank is allowed to fail. The tech companies can't make their payroll. They can't pay their rent. They can't pay to keep their servers going. Everything's going to collapse because that's just the market. And the reason we allow these entrepreneurs to make so much money, because they take the risk and they put up all their own money. They take the risk. And that's why they deserve the big bucks. That's what's about to happen. Raise your hand if you think that's about to happen.
Raise your hand if you're an idiot. I'm sorry. Raise your hand if you believe the free market is going to be allowed to progress. Hell nah. What's happened? Whenever capitalism fell, socialism swoops in to save the day. Public input, public resources, the government. So now they're rushing this merger. These other big banks are coming in to, to gobble up the little big bank, take little bank. And what's most, the most egregious, the most goddamn egregious thing of all, Biden has announced just today. Oh, Jim Crow Joe Biden has announced that he's going to increase the FDIC cap from he didn't even say the FDIC was like, listen, we only insure your account to $250,000. That's enough to restart for anybody. If you're some tech genius, some guru, some modern economy entrepreneur, take all the risk free market piece of shit. You should be able to get $250,000 and go out and restart. Remember, they, they got this rhetoric like you take Elon Musk and give him $1 and drop him in the middle of the ghetto. And within a year, he'll have $10,000. And then after that, he'll have $10 million and he'll be back to being a billionaire within five years because it's really it's they're so brilliant. They, they don't sleep. They work. Remember, Mark Cuban said that he used the same towel for 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 for. 15 years when he was building his company, he would bathe with the same dirty towel and the towel was so stiff. He would just stand it up in the corner. They and we believe that shit. Oh, tinkering in a garage. These billion. I, I was tinkering in a garage and all of a sudden abracadabra. I'm a billionaire because I'm so brilliant. But every time these pieces of shit, motherfucking capitalists get in trouble, they run to Uncle Sam. They don't even have to run to Uncle Sam because they never leave the teat. So Biden is lifting the FDIC insurance cap. That means who's going to pay for all these tech entrepreneurs, these tech buildings, these free market capitalists, the very uh, 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 elites who go to the government and say, we don't want cut welfare benefits, cut food stamps, cut housing vouchers, cut all these public services, get rid of the social safety net, every man for himself, social Darwinism. And them same people are now Silicon Valley is about to be bailed out with with the, with your grandma's uh, Social Security money. Public funds and Silicon Valley free market capitalists is if they lifted the FDIC cap. So now these tech billionaires are going to be able to go and get millions of dollars of free federal money. Interest free federal bailout but should we be surprised how many times has the auto industry been bailed out how many times has the airlines been bailed out how much federal dollars is being given away to the privately owned rail system and we got people out here talking about oh, socialism doesn't work that's the only goddamn thing that works capitalism doesn't work Anyway, anyway, let me get back. I wasn't even supposed to be here. Y'all know about that rapper Gunna? Gunna is a gangster rapper. 
who was with the YSL gang, Young Slime Life, Young Thugs gang. And he got out of jail. I don't know how much y'all know about this story. But there's a RICO case, racketeering case in Atlanta. And, you know, I didn't even know until this RICO thing. I thought RICO was strictly a federal thing. But apparently, local state prosecutors can bring RICO cases. So anyway, it's this sister trying to lock up this gang. Drugs, weapons, money, murder, gangsta shit. Right? And everybody mad. I don't know why. You a goddamn plumber and you mad at Gunner for snitching. What? what? I don't under. Uh, let me not even get into this no snitch, this snitch shit. Y'all some skeezers and weirdos for that. But anyway, Gunner was wrapped up in this Rico case. He was a rapper and a gangster. And Young Thug and all that. Go look up their bag. But the long story short, Gunner got out because Gunner has been released from jail. Because he was free thug. Psh, keep thug. Let me just write that. Hashtag keep thug. Do hashtags work when you write them on paper? They want a free young thug. Man, y'all some weirdos. Y'all some goddamn weird free young thug. What did young thug say when they asked him about Black Lives Matter? Huh? Let me see if I can find that. What what did Young Thug say? And what did they, what did Young Thug, well, hold on. What, man? Listen, I trick, let, let me, let me share this screen. This is the guy. I wish the, man, I wish I would. What, what, how do, uh, oh, here it is. Hold on. Let's do this live. We'll do it live. Here it is. Let's see what Young Thug had to say. Do I have to turn anything on? Let me see if it just works. Maybe this will work. Say it. They're doing a um, special on uh, Mike Brown, the Ferguson situation. Do you, what do you think needs to be changed in the way black men are policed in America? Leave that up with the critics and the laws and all that old shit. We having fun, we iced out, we having money. That's how we doing it. So you feel like it's not the artist's place to speak on social issues? No. All right, it's not his place to speak on social issues. And let me tell you, it's not my place. Wait, but that, that ain't even the worst of it. Uh, nut? Thung, young thug. What do you say? Poor people. Let's see. I'm gonna see if I find the other thing. Oh, is this it? Oh, here it is. Young thug is calling for genocide against the black race, and he's participating. He's actually trying to carry out genocide against black people. Here it is. Look at this. Look at it's time to retrieve all those uh, files you thought you lost. It's a commercial. Acting like light is a... Look, look at this. Just play the clip. God need to set some rules, bro. We need new rules. We need new oath, bro. If you did, bro, if you're a broke-ass nigga, you should not be able to nut. Because you bringing poor kids into this world, fuck. Nigga, you making niggas rob. 
and killing still because you running around with no type of career, no nothing. Having kids. Now your kids growing up won't shit. Your kids growing up looking at Thug and his game. And he so Young Thug said you should. Okay, that's enough. I don't need the current. current but Young Thug is a eugenicist. Young Thugs believes in eugenics. And, and I got people talking about free thug? Keep. It ain't my business. My name is Bennett. Anyway, so that's who Young Thug is. Young Thug is like, yo, y'all getting shot by police. I ain't really leave that to the politicians. We iced out. And he's like, if you poor, you shouldn't be able to nut. He said the government should come in and sterilize poor people. Even though he was poor, he shouldn't be here. Kill yourself. K-Y-S. What? I can't say that on the air. Sorry. But I'm like, you shouldn't, I mean, I mean, but who cares? And, then, and this is what blows me. Young Thug will walk around disrespecting black people, saying some of the most disrespectful, dismissive, demeaning, dehumanizing shit he want to say up against black people. But if he says something against Jewish people and the Jewish people, or if he says something against the, the, the LGBTQ community and the LGBTQ or the Jewish community or any other population, say, hey, we don't do disrespect. Your career is done. You can't book shows. You losing your sponsorship. The black community will come up and be like, gasp. Why didn't y'all do nothing when he disrespected us? Like, that's so fucking weird to me. He can go around disrespecting black people with impunity, with no consequences to his bank account or his career. But then we act confused. And I ask people all the time that do this shit, what do you want from these other groups? Do you want these other groups to fight on our behalf, to do something for us we won't do for ourselves? Or do you want these other groups to accept the disrespect that we do? Do we want them to bow as we do to these celebrities disrespecting their whole community? What do you want? Uh, when he was disrespecting black women, nothing happened. He was disrespecting black women, nothing happened. When he was talking about killing black people, nothing happened. Then he said something anti-Semitic and all of a sudden. Yes, that's what happens. What do we want? So, anyway... I was talking about Young Thugs because Gunner apparently is being harassed in public. Gunner went to court. He was incarcerated. And as his release deal, he was able to take an Alfred plea, basically not pleading guilty, but accepting the fact that there's evidence that could prove him guilty. And he had a, a, a deal where he could be released from prison. And he sat there and he had to answer a series of questions. And part of that question was, uh, is YSL a gang? And he said yes. And then he was in a car, him and Young Thug, and there were drugs and weapons in the car. And the prosecutor said, were those your drugs and your weapons in the car? And he said, no, those were not my drugs and weapons in the car. And they was like, fine, boy, you can go home. So Gunner walks out of jail, and somebody brought him a bunch of diamond and gold necklaces and a Maybach Benz or some a Maybach Benz pulls up to drive him away from jail. And then the whole community's like, gonna snitch. As if we should give a flying fuck about any of this when these parasites, when these Uncle Tom sellout coons 
who have fully aligned themselves with the systems and institutions of white domination and capitalism, who offer no solidarity to the struggles of black people, who offer no oppositions to the agendas of our oppressors, when they run afoul of their master. That is called friendly fire. When you invade another country and you accidentally shoot or hinder or injure your own troops, when you when a when an army, when a military injures their own troops, that's called friendly fire. So if this dude is on the battlefield for capitalism, he's fighting for white hegemony. He's fighting for the the oppression and eventual genocide of African people. So when the government takes out a young thug, that is not a case of oppression. That is a case of friendly fire. That is called property management. They are voluntarily owned by our oppressors and they fully submit to the system. So why are we mad about how white people manage their property? But I digress. All I'm saying, and what's weird to me, is I'm seeing articles pop up where Gunna is going to the mall and angry black people are running him out of the mall calling him a snitch. Now, we weren't running these motherfuckers off when they were making music promoting drug addiction when, uh, when ODs and addiction is rising back up in the black community. Promoting syrup, black people are having everything from heart failure, respiratory failure at a very young age. When you listen to these songs, they literally give you details on how to secure and cook up and consume drugs. Syrup? When I was a kid, the syrup, that was old people drug. That lean, the young people didn't even mess with lean. Now the babies are drinking lean. When people tell you, I don't give a fuck about you. In fact, I hate you. I hate your very existence. I don't think you should be able to reproduce yourself. You disgust me. We in Beverly Hills, we in Rio de Janeiro. And we didn't run Gunna out for making music to dis making anti-African propaganda. I would be so proud if I hear about a degenerate scumbag rapper being run out of the mall by the community for making music to disrespect our women, disrespect our children, disrespect our community, disrespect our race. And you can't go out in public. Take your ass to Beverly Hills. Take your ass to the Gold Coast. How you going to dwell among us when you disrespect us? But no. But no. Well, you don't get ran out. You can make some of the most murderous, degenerate, anti-black music you ever want to make. And you can go, not only do you go safely without obstruction, the moment Young Thug ain't under investigation for revolution, Young Thug ain't under investigation for, for, for robbing a bank in order to fund revolution, Young Thug ain't under investigation for impeding any agendas against black people, Young Thug is under investigation and under prosecution for murdering other black people, for distributing drugs in the black community, for distributing weapons and facilitating other people's predatory behaviors on, in the black community. No snitching, not telling. That was reserved for Harriet Tubman. When Harriet Tubman would come on the plantation at night Everybody keep quiet, even if you're not going to run. Don't get into other people in the way. 
No, snitching was for the Black Liberation Army. No, snitching was for the Black Panthers. I don't see nothing. I ain't heard nothing. I don't know nothing. Young thug, goddamn, no snitching is not reserved for the rapist, for the predators, for the murderers of our people. I know Kwaba Nas listening, so I can't drop no N-bombs. I'll just say, are y'all crazy? I'll just say it like that. Are y'all, let me get off this. We running Gunner out of the way, and we should have been running Gunner out of the mall. But for different reasons. We should be running all these degenerate coon, sellout rappers out of the mall. Anyway, let's get to the topic. And I hope we can have time to double back. I want to talk about black people getting involved in this right-wing hysterics, being seduced by the very media. Today's topic is escaping Africa. And I'm talking about escaping Africa because I see a lot of black folks doing it. Kwame, and and, and, and the, the biggest tragedy, real talk, y'all, the biggest tragedy about black people running from Africa is that we it, it just it's a futile attempt. But I digress. Let me just follow. Let me just follow a train of thought. First thing I want to say about this escaping Africa thing is black people are not the only people cuz cuz the subtitle is false identities and fictional nationalities. And the first thing I want to say about this issue is black people didn't start this and black people are not the only people who participate in this. This is not a black issue. So black people aren't the only people. Black people are not the only people who would behave this way, who engage in this. But you we we engage in it to our detriment. That's my problem. My problem is not even that we have false identities and fictional nationalities. My problem is that we do it to our detriment. That's my problem. Because I have to tell you, most identities are false and all nationalities are just invented. It's just made up. You know, do you know white people are not Anglo-Saxons? You know, these white people, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants. I mean, we understand the concept of hotepery. White folks who are hotepping, white hotepery is, is, is far beyond anything black people can imagine. And I'm just using hotepery for, so that y'all can comprehend. Because when what we calling hotepery really should be called, you know, Greek, Roman. White folks have so many false identities and fan, fictional nationalities, it's insane. That whole concept of white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, the white uh, uh, Anglo-Saxon. First of all, the Saxons... And the Angles, the early is people that come to to colonize the British. Uh, they, they weren't even Protest, They weren't even Christian, let alone Protestants. That whole Anglo-Saxon, I am an Anglo, and all, every single white supremacist organization believe they are ger of German descent. <laughs> these goddamn not a lot of these neo-Nazis. They have Slavic. They have Slavic uh, uh, ethnicity. 
uh, uh, Jewish ethnicity, Italian, <laughs> uh, Greek, uh, freaking uh, Portuguese and Spaniards. They're not Northern European. They're not Nordic people. They ain't got no Viking blood. They all look Vikings. They're all call themselves Viking. They call themselves Anglo-Saxons. The whole Third Reich. You want to talk about whole Teppery? The Third Reich. They're the Third Reich. They weren't the first to say. It was all made up. They had all this fantasy shit. They went and stole Hindu symbols and American Western mythology. The whole Nazi shit is all made up. Nazism is white whole Teppery. Zionism is white whole Teppery. These people believe they are the people of the covenant, the people of the Bible. You know, these white people, this shit is all made, these identities. Let me tell you something. So when I'm talking about black people escaping Africa, coming up with these false identities and fictional nationalities, I'm not attacking black people for doing this. I'm just saying we're doing it backwards. We hustling backwards. We doing the same thing other people do, but we're getting different outcomes. Right? You know, you even have the Mormons, one of the wealthiest religious cults in the United States, one of the most powerful and wealthy religious. I mean, we almost, we came this close, and I'm putting, pinching my fingers together for the radio. We came this close to having a Mormon president. And the Mormons are a Christian insane Christian cult a violent murderous predatory uh, uh, incestuous Christian cult and they almost got one of their own in the presidency white ho uh, horse prophecy and so we got the nerve to pretend like black people are the only ones that come that we was kings we was queens we got that from white people they started it But it all falls on us. Like I said, O.J. Simpson is the living embodiment of getting away with murder, even though white folks are the main people to get away with murder. We give it a black face. Um, uh, uh, Bill Cosby is the living embodiment of sexual predation, even though white folks are the top sexual predators. Jesse Smollett is the is is the is the living embodiment of false accusations, even though white folks been getting black folks locked up and incarcerated and lynched for false accusations for hundreds of years. And now hoteps and black men and, and, and conscious black people are the living embodiment of coming up with these grandized uh, histories that are not based in any type of historical or, 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 or evidence-based facts. When white folks built whole societies, whole empires, they built up and went to war over fictions, over made-up shit they made up about themselves, uh, uh, what they call manifest destiny. But whenever somebody's talking false, and when a black man say, oh, you a hotep, how did that, that behavior get a black African term? When white folks are the main folks engaged in falsifying their history. They don't just falsify. We falsify. We, they falsify everybody else's history. It's going to take us, if we survive, it's going to take us generations to unravel all the myths and lies and distortions. Because white folks went all over the world burning people's libraries, burning people's scrolls, killing people's griots, destroying people's oral traditions 
that they passed down their history and lineage through and then made up shit. Tarzan. Manifest destiny. Zion, like I said, Mormons, Nazis, Zionists, all made up history, all made up falsehood. So as I talk about black people and our false identities and our fictional nationalities, believe you me, I'm not saying this is a defect of black people. Black people probably don't, we don't even know the levels. White people have codified their myths. They had put guns to people's head and said, this myth is reality. So white folks, then black people, we dress up in some funny clothes and learn some lingos and stand on a, 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 a bus stop screaming absurdities where white people go around the world and, and set up universities to teach their lies, where we scream our lies from, from, from soapboxes on the street corners in Harlem. So I'm not excusing black people doing it. I think we need to stop doing it, but I don't want to act like this is a black issue or something unique to black people. And if you want all the, if you, we can do a whole show on all the, 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 for lack of a better term, white hotepper, white people invented this shit and we don't even have a white word for it. Lies or whiteness. Anyway. When I mean these fictional false identities and fictional nationalities, I'm talking about a very particular form of false identity and fictional nationality. And the particular form of false identity and fictional nationalities are those that separate us from our historical, phenotypical, uh, uh, biological, evolutionary roots of the African continent. And when I talk about the African continent, I'm not simply talking about the landmass. Because I have to clarify that. Because some of these stupid Uncle Tom sellouts, integrationists, want to talk about everybody's from Africa. We're all Africans. If we're all Africans, life originated in the oceans. There was life on oceans millions of years before there was life on lands. Just because life originated in the oceans don't make you a fish. So yes, there were primitive primates that evolved into humans that came out of Africa but by the time Africa became more than just a landmass but a place of civilization culture a mentality a disposition a heritage a lineage those are the people you are not African unless you come out of that lineage when there was a such thing as an African culture the Europeans, the, the people who went north, who, who mutated into Europeans, who mutated. And yes, it is genetic, biological mutations. That what gives us our various skin colors, hair textures, body habits, vulnerabilities and strengths. Genetic mutation. So the people who mutated leaving Africa, who had a change. They did not leave. They, did, they were not birthed by African culture or civilization. My ancestors came from an Africa. They were ripped away from a civilization. They didn't just migrate from a landmass. It's much different to, to, to be ripped out or taken or removed from a culture versus just leaving a landmass without language, without art, without history, without culture, without institutions. 
So stop talking that everybody, all people are from Africa. No, humans evolved in a landmass we now come to call Africa. My ancestors came from Africa. European ancestors came from a landmass. I, I just don't know why we can't seem to get that. Anyway. When you create myths. In every culture, every community, everybody creates myths. Those myths can do one of two things. They either advance you or regress you. There is no static. There is no standing still. There's no neutrality. So whenever there is a myth that you will hold to, whenever there is an idea, and I believe in myths, I embrace myths, folklore, legends. I have no issues with that. As long as we understand and distinguish between myths, folklore, legends, and facts, and as long as we understand the impact. Black people always had bad, bad, bad men ideas the bigger figure we've always had these folk heroes these idealized figures that emerge from our culture that we strive to be like but are we gonna emerge and and create fictional uh mythologies around people like shaka zulu who stood 10 feet tall and could decapitate 20 colonizers with one swing of his spear who could block cannon fire with his leather shield are we gonna uh create myths about old john henry worked hard for the man he was a hard working good godly man what type of myths are we erecting and giving to and passing down what type of folklore because the type of myths and folklores that you construct about who you are will direct you will will influence your real material behavior and even though I am a secular atheist skeptic, I do appreciate and even engage with the myth, folklore, fiction, the idealization, the vision. I have a great appreciation and seek to expand and strengthen the imagination of the African masses. I think that's one of the greatest things we've lost was our imagination. We got whole generations of African people who cannot envision a world beyond the goddamn work, earn a wage, the white man's money. And we can't imagine a world outside of this dysfunctional fucking doomed system that our oppressors impose on us. This backwards, dysfunctional, doomed system. So. Some simple background. Of how many of the anti-African myths, the anti-African visions, the anti-African belief systems and, and, and identities and nationalities that we are, are degenerate, that don't drive us forward, that don't motivate us, that disperse, divide, and it will eventually destroy us. Because Africa was invaded, Africa was colonized, and African people were forcibly dispersed across the world. So Africa went from having a small, voluntary diaspora where there were Africans prior to colonization all over the place. There were Africans in Europe, Africans in the so-called Middle East and Asia, even Africans in the new so-called new world. There were Africans tri transversing the globe. That was the voluntary African diaspora. 
right? But as a result of invasion, colonization, imperialism, and the slave trade, you had a balloon, an explosion of the involuntary African diaspora. People who were drawn out of an African system, put into an anti-non-African system, and then, even worse, cut off from the African system. And after that, what is called the Ma'afa, the great atrocity, the great tragedy, Africa, Africans were tasked, were given pretty much faced with the choice, involuntary choice. Africans, once we were emancipated, once we began the process of emancipation, liberation, and decolonization, we could, like, what's that Negro's name? What's his name? Uh, Tuskegee. <laughs> I can't believe it. his name escapes me. Uh, oh my goodness, I I just won't come to me. Booker T. Washington. Oh Lord, just let me get off the air right now. Booker T. But when black people were emancipated and given citizenship in the fourteenth. The 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, which was giving us both our liberation and citizenship, black people had two choices. We could cast down our pale where we stand, or we can reach to go back to our motherland. We had not forgotten our motherland. We had not felt that we were detached from our motherland. We knew that we were here involuntarily. We didn't leave Africa voluntarily. That's why when you go back to first uh, uh, church, in America founded by our ancestors was the African-American Episcopal. The first uh, uh, social uh, club, the African Lodge. You know, and white people used to call us everything. They, they, they would call like, even to this day in Louisiana, they set up a plantation and they would call, this is the Angola. These are the Benin people. They knew who we was. They knew they had a bunch of Africans over here. And they would call us African names. But they didn't just acknowledge that we were Africa. They proceeded on a deliberate, unrelenting, intensive campaign to erase our history, to distort our history, and to mythologize our history. They came up with this mythology of a dark continent, of a savage, godless people, of cannibals, they would come up and make it seem like when the white man poured up, pulled up in his stinking ship, stinking of feces and urine, and not just human feces and urine, but rat and cattle. When he would pull up with his diseased, syphilis-infested, lice-infested boat from Europe and pull up at Africa's shores, Africans would just run out and jump on the boat. Take us to Christ. Take us to the, bring us the light of civilization. They came up with this myth that they brought civilization to Africa. As John Henry Clark said, there is not one instance in history of civilization bringing another civilization, civilization to another people. There are no history of people taking a civilization and giving it to another people. No people civilized other people. But there was this myth. So anyway, Africans, through brutalization, forced ignorance, forced illiteracy, found ourselves 
at a crossroads. Now that we's free, now that we're off the plantation, now that the slave trade has been abolished and chattel slavery has been outlawed and we have been given U.S. citizenship, do we cast down our pail where we stand or do we reach back and return home or reach back home? Are we going to be Africans or is we going to be Americans? And to this day, we have not fully committed to either of those agendas. We have not committed to either one. We're still, as a people, collectively divided on that. Which is causing, which is preventing us from mounting any sustained struggle against oppression. The whole point of culture, the whole point of identity is pres preservation and perpetuation. The whole point of identity, of culture, of even the concept of nationhood is preservation and perpetuation. We are not being preserved and we are not advancing in this land. We are losing ground. We tend to focus on the material elements, the economics, housing statistics, you know, social indicators such as family, health. But we are, by all indicators, a people in a great and rapid and aggressive decline. And that is because we have tried to cast down their pale. We keep our whole body in America, but we're going to put a finger on Africa. But the curious thing is, I don't blame us solely for this, because when we re committed to going back to Africa, the largest single largest black movement in U.S. history has been the back to Africa movement, the repatriation movement. So when black people try to return to Africa, the United States government and its allies subvert those movements. When black people seek to remain in the United States, the United States begin to mobilize to demonstrate and prove to us that we will never be full accepted citizens of the United States. The public and private sector seek to subordinate and subvert us. So we can't go home and we're not welcomed here. And the solutions we get is to fight harder to stay here. In fact, when I first posted this show, I bullshit you not. When I first posted this show online, the link to the show, I generally do it the night before the, sh the show. And I posted the link and I shared the topic. I literally was flossing and brushing my teeth and ready to settle in for bed. And my phone start ding, 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 ding. And I go look. And it went down in my DMs. And it was some weird shit people were sending to me when they knew I was going to discuss this topic. Like this one brother said to me that an African told him he was an African president told him that he was an African. This brother was like, I was in, I ain't even going to say the thing because I mean, it was a private exchange. But he told me about his experiences in Africa and things he's done in Africa. And an African came and told him, you're not an African. And it's a brother. I mean, this is a black man. If I line this black man up 
and I go to Africa randomly anywhere in the continent and get five other Africans and put him on the wall and five other Africans on the wall from born and raised in the continent and show, show me, point out the American. <laughs> the only way you, I have to let dude talk because you can tell by his accent, but you look at this dude. And his features, his phenotype, his skin tone. This brother, he might have left Africa, but Africa sure enough ain't left him. But he's telling me that an African president took time out of his day to tell him, you are not African. And I got messages like this. I might respond to him, I might not. And what's weird to me is, I've been hearing this all my life. I've even had a good friend, Chet Kenyungi, tell me, oh, you're very American in your personality and this, you are a Yankee. But what's weird as fuck to me is that you'll have a black person who claims they're pro-black, they, they down, but they don't mess with Africa because a random African from somewhere came and told them, you're not black, I don't see. And, and be like, from just anywhere, Africa's a whole continent. Dozens of countries. And within those countries, there are nations within nations because the Africans were all grouped together. So you have various nations. All, so, so there's layers and layers of complexity and diversity within the African continent. There is more linguistic, societal, ritual diversity within the African continent than the whole rest of the world combined. There is more genetic diversity in, in Africa than all the rest of the world combined. And one African that you that damn this that you appointed to be the spokesperson for this diverse continent of diverse cultures comes to tell you, I asked the African representative, revoke your African identity, your African roots. And you listen to him. Now, to me, I've seen so many people say they don't like us over there. So forget it. Whatever we gonna do. But I've never seen Africans on the African continent sick dogs on black people. I've never seen them turn water hoses on black people. I've never seen them bomb black people in their homes and places of worship. All it took for us to give up on being Africans is for some one random African out of a billion Africans to come tell us, you're not African. Oh, then forget you. Oh, forget you then. But Afri white people have been bombing, incarcerating, murdering, putting water hoses on us. And you look at the water hoses, that water pressure is strong enough to rip bark off of a tree. Sick dogs on us to tell us we're not American. But we fight, we shall overcome. We're willing to face water hoses, attack dogs, and bombs to be Americans. But one African come and tell us, I don't think you're African. And we I'll forget y'all then. So please stop DMing me your an African told me they don't like us or African told me I'm not African. Therefore, I'm not African. Until black people from the African diaspora, until the black people from Brazil, Jamaica, the Caribbean, Latin America, Central America, the Americas, Scandinavian black bunch of African Baptists up in, 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 in Nova Scotia. The black people throughout. Central Europe, until we all go back to Africa and face water hoses. I want us, until we done at least done 
gone through the amount of suffering to unite with white folks unless we do the same amount of suffering to unite with black people shut the fuck up to me about how they don't like us they don't want us over there because i can get on my phone right now and call up black people on whatsapp i can call africans pick the country i can call black people born and raised in the united states and caribbean who have repatriated to africa and they will tell you they found a welcoming embrace. And I can get on the phone right now and have, get on WhatsApp right now and, and, and pull up an African from name your country. And they will say, come on home, homie, come on. We're not going to water hose you. We're not going to bomb you. We got bombed to sit on the toilet next to white folks. We got water hosed to eat their bland ass food at the counter. But we won't take just a discouraging word from our African brothers. And we well in it, cause stop playing with me. Please stop inboxing me your, how, why we not African story. Please stop telling me how the Cameroonian or the Ethiopian took away your Africanness from you. Some random uh, uh, student. Please stop. Let me see if I got any more messages. Y'all be man, but I ain't gonna call names. You can talk crazy to me. You don't want to go get therapy, and you, you're, if 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 you getting, I got. Oh no, that's not okay. I ain't got nonsense. That's it. Just since last night, last one came in at twelve forty-seven a.m. Anyway, let's get back to <laughs> let's get on track. Africa was invaded. Black people had a very warped image of who we are and where we come from. We had a very warped image of who we are and where we come from, you know. And there was one instance saying that black people, we came from nothing and we were nothing. We were cannibal, sav godless cannibal savages in darkness. And then we had another school come and tell us we were everything. We were all kings and we had all the gold and we were, the, we were superhuman. And we use telekinesis to build pyramids. <laughs> so there's a lot, this pendular, this pendular thing. But all the while, let's give credit. Carter G. Woodson, John G. Jackson, Dr. John Henry Clark. There were many sound, rational, shake to geop. Sound, rational researchers and scholars who did the work, the painful work of dissecting and wading through all the lies, the distortions, to really bring us our history. Eric Williams, to really help us understand who we were, who we are, and who we have the potential to be. To wade through the myths, to wade through the distortion, to, to resurrect the erased or, 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 or masked over history. And those people largely get ignored. You know, nobody wants to read Chancellor Williams' sober assessment of African history. They'd rather hear Farrakhan tell us about big head Yakub scientist and, 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 you know, how the white man was grafted from a pig and a dog. We'd rather hear these charlatans, these demagogues, tell us grand myths about ourselves, noble Drew Ali, as opposed to listen to the scholars to give us a rational explanation so now I want to talk for a second before time runs out 
I think I'm doing pretty good on time, but I, I, I think I kind of pack stuff in, you know. I try to do too, I do too much. Man, I hope my wife's not listening this morning. That's a confession she's been trying to, <laughs> trying to get me to acknowledge because I always tell her she do too much. So, anyway, black people. Now, the more specific topics about these myths. I'm not against myths, but myths are myths, are folklores, are legends, are visions, are make-believe should be that constructed in a way that advances our interest that consolidates and strengthens our agendas and goals and interests that bring us together in healthy ways instead of tying us together based on toxic or maladaptive or dysfunctional delusions. So we need, there is, all myths are not created equal. So I want to talk about some specific, first I want to talk about well, I can't really get into nation. Well, nation, and I'm glad Dr. Jared Ball on the on the last or the previous Earn Your Liberation show was talking about what a nation is versus a state. A nation exists here, and and I'm pointing at my head as if I'm sorry, radio people. I've been really neglecting my radio audience because of this video, you know. But anyway, a nation exists in the minds and hearts of the people, more or less. The nation is the concept; it's the immaterial the non-physical components of a people that brings them together. Their, their identity, their, their, their common held beliefs, their commonly held agreements, the social contract. Whereas the state is the physical apparatus, the borders, the resources, the infrastructure, the road, the government buildings, the police stations, the schools, the state is the physical infrastructure of the nation, and the nation is the ideological uh, glue or cohesion of the state. Where Dr. Ball was talking about this concept of a nation state. So people used to make fun of the nation of Islam. Like white people used to say, well, Farrakhan made some anti-Semitic comments, and therefore we're expecting tourism to drop. Um, the nation of Islam is going to have a drop in tourism. Because they're like nation of Islam. But yes, you can have a nationless state. Like the Dalai Lama is a, the, is a stateless nation, uh, is the head of a stateless nation. Because his nation was invaded, the government was ousted, so they have what you call a government in exile. So there are stateless people. So you can be a nation without a state. I'm not sure if you can be a state without a nation, but you can definitely be a nation of states. So the nation of Islam could theoretically be a legitimate nation of people. They're not, but it's not, you should not dismiss a group. For many years, the Zionist had this concept like we are stateless. Zionism, the nation of Israel is like what, 60 years old? When was the nation of Israel, the state of Israel was established? But over a hundred years before that, you had the nation of Israel. The Zionist movement were saying, hey, we are a nation of people without a state. Right? So when black people take on these nationalities, these stateless nationalities, you have to ask yourself, well, 
based on your ideology, your self-concept, your identity, if you did ever get the state, either you got your own land or you took over an existing apparatus or infrastructure of the state, what would that state look like? And for most of these cults, whether it is the nation of Islam, let me tell you something. I wouldn't want to live in an Islamic theocracy. That is a nightmare scenario for me. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Let me talk about some escapists. Because what black people have done is saying, listen, in these, many of these, being an African is, is a negative thing. Even when I was a kid, I was a really skinny kid, and they used to call me Ethi. And they used to call me Ethiopian. Because I was a skinny kid and I had these black African features and the nappy head texture. And when back in the 80s, when I was a little kid, you turn on your TV and you see these skinny people with nappy hair starving. And these white people were raising money. And Michael Jackson was singing, we are the world, we are the children. And so I was a skinny, nappy head, poor black kid. So they were like, you're an Ethiopian. Because the Ethiopians are skinny and I was outside. Talk about outside. That's don't get me talking. Let me tell y'all something. Let black kids go outside. Stop keeping black kids in the house. Let them go out and play, goddammit. It's some weird phenomenon of black kids constantly and perpetually in the house. Let the kids outside and play. Let them roam their neighborhood. Give them a goddamn bus car and let them ride the trains and the buses and get out the house. Stop keeping black children in the house. I often say in our attempts to save our children's lives, we destroy their minds. Anyway, I was outside. I spent all my time outside, nonstop. And I came from an area of the country that had pretty good weather most of the year. So I was very, y'all gonna see, man, by the time June come, I'm gonna be like eight, nine, ten shades darker. The sun really does me well. That's why I don't even, when I was single, I didn't even try to holler at sisters in the fall and winter. I always try to put my Mac down. That's why I met my wife <laughs> just before it got cold. I knew I wasn't going to catch a woman trying to holler at sisters if I ain't had time to dwell in the sun, to get my melanin right, my complexion on. But anyway, I continue to digress. <laughs> I was called Ethi or Ethiopian as an insult. Now, it's weird because when I went to work, I went to my the first college. I went to downstate allied health college, right? State University of New York. And they had an allied health college. And I was doing two year program there. And it was predominantly Jewish school. And at this time in the 90s is with the fall of the Soviet Union. So with the fall of the Soviet Union, many Eastern and Central Europeans were able to get out from behind the Iron Curtain. Anyway, long story short, I was around a lot of Jewish uh, immigrants from Central and Eastern Europe who had also, they would go to Israel. And then from Israel, they would get an, apply for programs. And when they were in Israel, they were interacting with a lot of uh, better Israel or Ethiopian Jews and so I was in a, a clinic I was going through my my uh, clinicals so I'm standing there they had this big giant fluoroscope fluoroscopic machine they don't even use those anymore the technology this is old 90s technology but anyway this central or Eastern European Jew comes up to me speaking Yiddish and I'm looking at him like what and he was like oh you're not beta Israel and I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, you look beta Israel. I thought you were a, a uh, uh, Israeli. I thought you spoke uh, or what? I don't even know. I think it was Yiddish he was speaking. And I'm like, no, I'm from Kansas, dog. 
And but now, so it was weird to me that I felt prideful and a compliment that this guy, just by looking at me, and I was wearing scrubs. It's not even like I was dressed up in any type of special. I was actually wearing hospital scrubs. But he thought, but I used to, I can't lie, I used to wear like these little beanies because you used to have to wear the hospital caps. And instead of the hospital caps, I went up to Harlem and just bought me these little cool hand-woven beanies. So maybe he thought it was a yarmulke. But he thought that I was better Israel, that I was an Ethiopian Jew, to the point where he just came to me speaking his native tongue because he said he hadn't had an opportunity to really speak from anybody from his land. And I didn't even tell him, it ain't your land. What you talking about? You still ain't spoken unless you go speak to somebody from... <laughs> Ukraine you ain't talking to nobody from your land because that, that ain't your land but anyway it went from when I was a kid I was highly offended and assaulted and hurt when someone called me an Ethiopian by the time I was in my late teens early 20s to call me an Ethiopian was would be a very prideful compliment that I would appreciate even from a Zionist I could my first and only comment from a Zionist that I accept so that's the evolution anyway so this concept of identity, I remember growing up African booty scratcher, getting called, ooh, I'm too black. I remember I was watching Cribs and Missy Meander Elliott, and I actually liked Missy Elliott back in the day, and she was on MTV Cribs, and I was watching her go through her extravagant house, and then as she walked the crew out, she said, ooh, it's, I'm too black to be in the sun. And that hurt me because they used to say that to my sister. My sister is dark, like 20 shades darker than me, and they used to be like, oh, you going outside, you play in the sun, you get too black. So black people running from African, our African roots, our African identity, our African hair texture, our African features. is nothing new to me. It has been a constant in my life. I even had a sister I was dating long before I met my wife. It wasn't Dr. Mingo who said this to me, but I had a sister that told me I. I was she and I had an argument. And I was laughing it off and blowing it off. And like, this is not even worth fighting about. You're being silly. And she said, listen, I normally don't date dark-skinned dudes. So you need to check yourself. You need to step lightly. Like, I need to be careful about how I talk and deal with her because I'm already in a precarious position because I am a dark-skinned black man and she don't even normally lower herself. Now, this girl was darker than me. She was, I tell you, she was from Guyana and she grew up in the tropics. She grew up on the damn equator and she was darker than me and telling me, hey, check yourself because I don't take no guff off of darkies. And I'm like, damn, you're not even from the United States. Are you talking this stuff? I thought this was a black American thing. I thought this was a Yankee thing. It's all the way down black people from South America. Black people who live on the equator, sun year round, talking this mess. That was kind of a blow to me. I was again, I was still young, so I understand. Black people are escaping from Africa, and some of us just do it in. Uh, nah, we. Somebody said last date. Nah, that was not listen. Hey, you know. <laughs> no, it was not. I wish I could say that. <laughs> like, yeah, I told her, hey, yo, get out now. <laughs> You know, hell, I was like, what, 18, 19 years old? Man, hey, I was lucky any woman give me attention at that time. So, no, that was not our last date. Yes. So, anyway, let me tell you some specific. Let's speak on some specific 
escape from Africa anything but African ideologies and groups, identities and nationalities. First, let's start with some of the more obvious ones like the Moorish National. And here's the formula. If you come up with a movement, an ideology, a cult that can tell black people you are either not African or you are a separate, specialized, encapsulated part, part of African, like elevate and remove black people from Africa, you will have black people kicking down your door to join. Which is the Moorish nation, the Moors, the sovereign Moors, Say they are not black, they are not African. They are Asiatic, they are Islamic. That is an attempt to shed or purge their African roots and identity. Now the vast majority out of every 10 Africans that were brought here to the, to the New World, that were brought here to the United States, the Caribbean, Central, and South America, nine out of 10 of them came from West Africa. We, they, the, 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 the white people, they kept records and they didn't keep records for historical reasons because they respected us. They kept records because they insured those boats. They had ledgers. And yeah, there was some smuggling. There were several of us, but the vast majority of African people came from very identifiable regions. We even knew before the double helix, before those two racist men discovered DNA, before D gene testing and gene mapping was a thing we already knew what parts of Africa we were from we brought over seeds we brought over linguistics we brought over our features our stature but anyway I digress um so the Moors tell them people join the Moors and they are taught not only are they not African not only are they not even black they're not even from Africa. They are sovereigns of the land. That they are in a special separate treaty with the United States. And one of their missions, one of their divine missions in the world is to convince all the other black people in America that they also are not of African descent, African lineage and African ties. And there are subgroups from that nation of gods and earths. And you will find that these black people say that we are Asiatic black men. We are Asiatic, not African, but Asiatic or Islamic. And I'm telling you, Islamic black people, Asiatic black people, Moorish national black people, sovereign. These are black people attempting to escape and dispel the myth of Africa. It is a maladaptation. If I am from an oppressed group, I will pretend that I am not of that group. Another population of people escaping from Africa or rejecting their lineage are the African descendants of or are the American descendants of slaves and foundational black Americans. They acknowledge that we come from Africa, but they also say that those ties are severed. And that we are distinct, separate and above those. So any injustices leveled against foundational black Americans and at ADOS, any justice coming that black people in the United States should take priority. Even though the very people that we are asking to give us reparations for slavery are have a history of committing atrocities in Haiti, 
of subverting democracy and, and social justice movements throughout the Caribbean, uh, of, of destabilizing uh, predominantly black governments from, from Grenada to Panama, who has ongoing atrocities and eco, uh, ecological destruction on throughout the African continent. They believe that black people are the black people in the United States and the atrocities we went through are separate and above and take precedent over those. And they protest. They protest any remedies that the United States. So if the United States says, well, we're going to give scholarships to students from the African continent. We're going to allow migration for Haitians or open up and allow for 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 expedited migration for Haitians to come here, because these are all people who as African-Americans or black people who hold a U.S. citizenship, they the United States did not limit its racism and atrocities to the United States borders. And they will say, well, oh, you can't give Haitians nothing. You can't give nobody nothing. Just give it to black Americans. And then they assert that black Americans will take that money. And instead of using that to unite with and strengthen our ties with the African diaspora and the African continent, we use that for greater opportunities and investments within capitalism and the empire. They literally say they want to be made white. So they want to not only not give justice to the international atrocities of the West, of the capitalist, of global white hegemony. They want to be full partners in the empire. And then you have the native and aboriginal blacks and black people cannot be native or aboriginal. But you have black people who say they are native Americans when you also have Aboriginal Moorish people, but they say that they are Moroccan. <laughs> and and there's this motivation behind the Moors is, is a lot to do with. So the native Aboriginal black people. And here's the reality about black Indians. Black people got Indian blood the same way we got white blood. Through rape. Every single recognized civilized tribe in the United States was not only a full participant in the slave trade, they all owned slaves. And not that they only did they own slaves. Every single recognized native tribe fought on the side of the Confederacy. They fought with the South to preserve the institution of slavery. And even after the Confederate States lost and chattel slavery was legislated, out of existence and given and, and, and African people were giving slave uh, given citizenship. The Native American says we don't live under Constitution. We are sovereign lands. So even if the United States wants to abolish slavery and the slave trade, we reserve the right unto ourselves to keep slavery. But the white man went to the natives and said, come on, you know, your sovereignty is pretend. Let's let's stop. Stop playing. Let the black people go. And not only that, the federal government gave the Native Americans compensation and said, this is your compensation for the loss of your slave. And this is compensation for you to give to your enslaved Africans for them to go make a life for themselves. And the natives kept all the money. And not only that, for the black people who were enslaved and raped by our native captors. Who had Indian blood. Indian hair, Indian in a family, 
there have been tribes who have held votes to oust or to fail to no longer recognize the African descendants of the native people. Not once, more than once, twice. The Cherokee Nation says we vote to expel the blacks. Now, I'm not saying this to take away from the genocide and atrocities leveled against Native people. You know, there's a lot of people trying to navigate these systems. And yes, they did participate. Uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Claude Anderson in his research said at one time, the, uh, it was the Native strategy when they were fighting westward expansion of the white man to kill every black person they could get their hands on because that is depriving. Remember when the white man came and started slaughtering all the bu buffaloes because they said the buffaloes is their natural resource. And if we kill the buffalo, a dead buffalo represents a dead Indian because that represents resources that our enemy won't have access to. The natives adopted that same point of view and say, hey, for every black slave we kill, that's fewer resources that the white man will have to build up his nation. And Dr. Claude Anderson said for at some time, the top killer of African people, destroy your enemy's assets. And we were chattel. We were property. So guerrilla warfare involves disrupting the supply chain. How do you disrupt the supply chain in a slave economy? You kill the slaves. And now we got black people running around talking about I'm Indian. Disrespecting the struggles and sufferings of our own ancestors. We are not aboriginal to this land. We are not original to this land. We are not natives of this land. We are aboriginal Africans. We are from the African continent brought here through the documented, well-documented. Because the king sat on their throne in Spain, the king sat on the throne in Portugal, the king and the, and the, the prime minister sat on, sat on thrones and in parliament houses throughout Europe and France, and they wanted to account for every gold nugget, every ounce of copper, every black body that came. You go read some of those ledgers. They would describe the quality of our dental, the, 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 uh, texture and, and, and size of our muscles. They would, they would document all that shit. And now we trying to pretend like, oh, where they, I had black people come to me like, where are the slave ships? There was no slave ships. Where are the slave ships? As if they just made some slave ships were just cargo ships. What are you talking about? They would take guns and muskets and rum and alcohol to Africa. Bring Africans on those same ships that they brought the guns and shit and the textiles to the African continent. Then they would load up with African bodies. And the thing is, black human cargo is very light. They would have to weigh down those ships because even though they would fill it with hundreds and thousands of African bodies, they have to weigh it down the ship because human cargo is too light. So then they come here with the human cargo and then they get the gold, they get the raw goods, they get the pelts. They get the raw unrefined cotton and then take that by Europe. Didn't did you pay attention in the third grade, the triangle trade route? The slave ships were just the basic cargo ships. I've had black people look at me and like there are no show me a slave ship. There are no slave ships. Fuck is wrong with you? 
another population of black people that want to escape and say from Africa, the black Hebrew Israelites. They say we are not Africans. They said that every black person that came over here on the slave ship was a black Hebrew tribe of Judah. Right. So they say we were up in there in, in, in Egypt. We were we were in bondage, building pyramids for the Af for the evil Africans, building pyramids. And then. We left Egypt and descended into Africa. And then when the white man pulled up and says, hey, black people, give us some slaves. Them African people was like, well, we got these Hebrews living amongst us and we worship evil African gods and demonic African gods where they worship Yahweh. So take all these Hebrews and you take them. And they were like, when we were in Africa before they were brought here, God wanted us, said we were going to come here because we didn't keep his covenant. And we are not Africans. Even when we were, were Africa, we didn't dwell and interact with the Africans. And we are a separate people. And all the black Hebrews came from Egypt, migrated down to the West Coast. And then the white man brought us to America, all part of God's divine plan. We are not Africans. That's the black Hebrew Israelites. And there's black people to this day because these black Hebrew Israelites dress up in fancy costumes and there are these broad chested macho black men who think this shit is positive. We got this insane apocalyptic cult that's expanding its influence and reaching our community. And we got so-called positive conscious black people saying we need more of this. They had a group of insane apocalyptic anti-black anti-African cult. Marching down our streets saying, protect our women, protect our children, protect our. And there's black people online sharing this insane cult march talking about we need more of this. And now we have the nation of Islam. I've seen people creating images of a black man in a bow tie. Holding a Koran and a black man in a purple, sh purple shawl holding the Bible and they're shaking their hands because they want to see unity between the nation of Islam and the black Hebrew Israelites. And they say this would be powerful unity. A union of those two cults would further diminish any type of potential for liberation and progress for black people. I told you Islamic black people are also anti-African. You can't be pro-Islamic and, and show me a period in time where Islam has shown any level of respect for traditional African values, traditional African belief system. Show me where Islam did not seek to purge and erase any indigenous, native, truly aboriginal African characteristics, traditions, values. Show me. I always say I got as much respect for foreign religions as they have shown for our people's religions. So the Hebrew Israelites, the Islamic, Asiatic, the Hamitic. But another thing, I got something for you, child of God. I'm a child of God. These black Christians. I'm just human. God favors no man. That's an anti-African proposition. It's like we tell white people, it's not enough to be non-racist. You have to be anti-racist. It's not enough. When your people are under genocidal race-based oppression, it's not enough to be... I last my time is up. So anyway, these child of God, black people, these I'm just a human being. I call them racial transcendence. I've transcended race. Y'all caught up in race. 
just had another brother. He was used to be a Hebrew Israelite, and I got him off of that shit. Then he got into phrenology. He just came and told me, this ain't about black and white. The hell it ain't. You, before you can convince me it ain't about black and white, you convince them. When they figure it out it ain't about black and white, tell them first. Them first. But these tr racial transcendence people, nobody, I don't respect anybody's race. That's running from Africa. I got one other group that is going to surprise you. These Egyptian comedic blacks. These blacks, even though I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a black Egyptian that, that came over here. How we Dinka, Wolof, maybe even Fulani, how we came from the West Coast. We came Nigeria, Guinea, maybe, uh, uh, Gambia, uh, up and down the west coast of Africa, maybe Central Africa. We can go all the way to Egypt. And the only reason these black people are so enamored with Egypt is because they're following white people's obsession with Egypt. They were like, wow, white people respect Egyptians. So the only part of Africa you respect is the part of Africa white people are obsessed with. Stop it. You're not comedic. You're not. Even though the Kemites were Africans, even though they are distant, distant ancestors, stop it. Go to Yoruba. Go study Yoruba or the Akan people. Stop it with this whole ancient Egyptian shit. Stop it. That's an escape from Africa. Following white folks back home. And the final anti-escape from Africa group is the cosmetic African. People who dress African, who claim they have black pride, but they have no African identity, ideology, and they have no African agenda. If you're just cosmetically African, that is a disrespect and an escape from Africa. I'm going to have to wrap this up here. I'm so sorry. I, I swear, I looked at this clock, and it was eight. It was eight thir uh, 9.30, and then I looked away, and the second time I looked at the clock, it, it, I mean, it was... See, this clock, they didn't, this is 8 o'clock, it's 9. I looked up at that clock, and it was 8.30. And now I'm looking at it, and I'm over time. Sorry, shout out to Q4 Radio, but let me jump off of here before they cut me off. Um, I will be broadcasting on Black Power Media. Shout out to, to Kalanji, Dr. Ball, Franklin, and Geechee. So you can catch me broadcasting um, across uh, Black Power Media on Wednesday and this Friday, uh, the next episode of Earn Your Liberation, and then we'll be right back here at the Bro Diallo broadcast. I might go back over my no, and I might not. Just like we are African, our fate is tied to the African continent, and Pan-Africanism is the only solution. Please uh, like, share, subscribe, share this with your friends, allies, enemies, and lovers, and haters. Um, you can also support. This is purely listener supported. You can become a Patreon. You can make uh, one-time donations via Cash App or Venmo or just send me uh, a, a text of support. Just saying, even if you ain't got the material support to help maintain the Bro Diallo broadcast, it's not easy, but we're going to we'll struggle together. This is your station, and I am your servant here, and I will be here as long as y'all are willing to support me in being here and i will see y'all next monday on the bro diallo broadcast um see we came in with dillinger i have to go out man um let's listen to uh i don't know i'm gonna just let this be a surprise because i literally literally have no uh idea what we're gonna kick in with but i do appreciate everyone being here 
and uh, we can discuss uh, continue the discussions in the chat. Peace. <laughs>